welcome to Theology Thursday, an ecumenical space for students to discuss matters of faith and theology. I'm your host, Connor Grubbs. I am your co-host, Ryan Mock. And I'm your co-co-host, Johnny Grubbs. Welcome back to another week of Theology Thursday. Ryan, thank you for preaching to us about the Holy Spirit last week. I didn't even know Presbyterians believed in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> oh yes, we do. That's fantastic. Appreciate that. <laughs> A little jab there. Yeah. <laughs> what the heck was that all about? Well, I, just, I, didn't, I didn't know the Presbyterians believed in the Holy Spirit. It's in the Confession, Connor. I've never read the Confession. Read the Westminster. It's the Westminster. We, we, it's Westminster. There's no, it's no... the Westminster. Is a minister that was in the West. Oh my! I'm gonna drop kick Connor. So here... we just we just don't get weird and wild with it. All right. So uh, this is a conversation for another time. All right. Oh. oh okay. I want to see Ryan debate an Assemblies of God pastor. I just I really want to watch that. Well, I I did have a debate um, with a oneness Pentecostal. That's true. You did, and you shared about that on the yeah. podcast. And before. did you go? Will you just shut up, man? Well, can I can I, I, I say though? <laughs> can I say this though? I don't think that uh, assemblies of God should be compared to oneness Pentecostal because oneness Pentecostal is like actually heretical. Assemblies so, of God is not. So yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Oneness Pentecostals deny the Trinity, which puts them outside the bounds of Orthodox Christianity. Yes. Assemblies of God, y'all are my brothers and yep. sisters. Yep. So. He just he just doesn't like all the I don't like the weird and wild. You know, I mean, not a huge fan. But we, we, we should talk more about speaking tongues soon, because I there's been a lot of. Well, we, you know what? You guys send the questions. I'm gonna stop. All right. Here's the thing. We're gonna jump right into subpoints. Uh, we're gonna, we're back to answering listener questions. We had a few kind of fun weeks, a little different, and uh, we're back to we're back to the routine here at Theology Thursday. But. We have some exciting topics to cover today. So I'm going to start with an article from Gospel Coalition Australia. Okay, this is their Australian edition. This is written by, and this is really, this is directed towards Johnny. I want to hear Johnny's response. Oh, boy. Uh, because he didn't come up with his own subpoint today. I created a subpoint for him to respond to. Yay. Uh, so... Uh, this was written by Richard Sweatman. He's an assistant pastor at Hunter Bible Church in Newcastle, and he's married to Jen. Does he sweat a lot? It, yeah, it kind of sounds like he does. He kind of looks like he sweats a lot. I could see his profile picture. Yeah, he looks like he sweats a lot. Can so, you guys quit judging the man? <laughs> I'm not judging. I'm making an observation, All right, Johnny. Richie. All right, Richard Sweatman. Let's talk <laughs> about this. Uh, here's the thing. Richard Sweatman wrote an article... Uh, on the Gospel Coalition Australia edition about the Bible Project. So this is why I've directed this towards you, because you are a big fan of the Bible Project. I am. And I did not realize that Richard Sweatman and his article represent a uh, a larger than I would have expected subset of Christian culture that is uh, not fans of the Bible Project. I will say, and I don't know, I, I'm, I'm eager to hear what he has to say. It doesn't surprise me. And I knew sooner or later I would hear from somebody that, that believes. Because, and even Ryan has kind of poked fun at me for what I would call a biblicist view, which is to simply <laughs> look um, at the text, the original language, and to understand scripture 
in a holistic way, um, which I know that across denominational bounds, people believe that, but I, I don't know. So, so yeah, and, and just to, to make it clear, the, the, the guys who make the Bible Project, particularly Timothy Mackey, who writes and narrates a lot of it um, and kind of leads the whole thing, are real big on the original language, but they're also real big on, like, literary types of the time that it was written and right. understanding the type of literature and how it functions. Because you, when, when you hear them talking on their podcast or in one of these videos, they really geek out on... I mean, we're, we're talking about just basic language, you know. Right, right, right. <laughs> and how it worked back then and how it worked in this type of literature and that type of literature. That stuff's important, it's, really important to our understanding. It's very valuable. And and, and I don't know, you've, have you seen Bible Project videos, Ryan? I have. I actually, I like them They're very, very well done. Um, and I have read criticism of yeah. them as well. Um, so I hadn't really because I thought most of the ones that I saw, honestly, I felt like were just video form of that overview that you get in the beginning of a book in your study Bible. You know how there'll be like four or five pages that just kind of give you all the background and all this kind of stuff. I mean, at least the Reformation Study Bible, with which Ryan and I both use, has that those. I felt like the Bible Project was like that, but in video form with like a little cartoon. Uh, and and it's nice. It's, no, it's, it's a great tool. Yeah, it, it, I really do like their their videos explaining the books of the Bible. I think they do. I think they do a good job. Yeah, and and so I never really, and, and I, t to be honest, I haven't seen a whole ton of videos. I only go to them for specific things. But like, if there's a book that I'm about to study, I'll watch it beforehand for an overview or something. But like, I guess I never really thought about them delving into theological issues more as just like presenting like here are some of the facts about this book and kind of an outline of it. Mm -hmm. But they do get into some theological stuff and some people aren't happy about it. So here's the specific criticism that Mr. Sweaty Man uh, decided <laughs> to give. So his problem with the Gospel Project videos, which he gives merit for all of the good stuff about them too, but his problem with the uh, Gospel... Uh, Project, uh, the Bible Project, I'm sorry, Gospel Project is a curriculum. Bible Project is how they deal with the doctrine of atonement. So they have a video called Sacrifice and Atonement. I'm very familiar with this video. You are. Yes. You probably you, watch you it every seem, night you before seem, bed. You seem upset that... Uh, well, I can't, I'm just, uh, I really... surprised. I'm eager, that, yeah, to hear what, that, he, what he could possibly say i mean it's so uh, he, he talks about how in, in the video two points are made first it covered that the debt that humans owe god for contributing to all of the evil and death in this world and then second it talked about the purification for sin jesus's uh, blood being a symbol of his life having this ability to wash away uh the vandalism that evil has caused in and around us so we can now live at peace with God. So it, this is the, the picture that's painted in the video. What he argues is the problem here is that there is a lack of talking about the idea of propitiation, which is a sacrifice that turned away God's wrath. Uh -huh. So essentially Sweaty Man's argument is that the Bible Project's video on sacrifice and atonement completely disregards the idea of God's wrath. It presents a wrathless God. So, and that's pretty much the whole article, is he's just explaining how this video 
doesn't talk about God's wrath and why that's an important part of atonement. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, so here's the thing. I mean, I... I I'm a little shell shocked by the by the concept, and also ill prepared to fully answer this uh, quandary. However, I will say that the wrath of God uh, largely is a very uh, is it's tied to the reform movement. Okay. Okay. Well, what are you trying to say, Johnny? I'm I'm I'm, I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying if you if you're looking at it from a purely biblicist view, okay. We see God's Ooh, judgment okay, against sin, but the wrath of God. Why don't you define the wrath of God for us, Ryan? <laughs> okay, I would define the wrath of God as um, God dispensing dispensing His judgment upon sin and sinners. Okay, that would, that would just be my quick one sentence. Yeah. Okay, so I, I would define wrath um, very basically as God dispensing. Uh, justice and judgment upon sin and sinners uh and that this is an inherent part of his nature because of his holiness the fact that he's pure 100 percent pure and separate from his creation that he cannot allow sin uh that, that that is something that must happen is that he uh he uh dispenses justice upon those things you use the word dispense twice so i'm just thinking like if i was trying to make a cool youth pastor analogy, I'd pull out like a little Pez and I would say, this is God, and then I'd open it up and let the candy fall <laughs> out and be like, wrath. this is the wrath. Yeah, I don't know why I used that word. So no, I like it. It just dispense. made me think of Pez. Right. Those things taste just like Tums. Johnny, go ahead. <laughs> so many Tums have you eaten? No, okay, so here's the thing. Oh, I am ill-prepared to give a large... Oh, wait, wait, can I add something? Yeah. I'm sorry, this is like not about Pez. This is important. Uh, he does also note in the article that he did look, just to be fair, in other videos uh, that were about passages of Scripture that talk about God's wrath and propitiation, this idea. He talks about, like, in the Romans 1 through 4 video. And in that video, Tim Mackey makes a statement. I'm not going to read the whole thing right now, just for time's sake. But Sweaty Man argues that this also does not include anything about propitiation or turning aside God's wrath, even though that's what Romans chapter 1 through 4 talks about. So, um, all this being said, this wasn't just about the atonement and sacrifice video. Right. Like, he looked for it throughout other videos, too, where he felt they should have been. Right. And it still wasn't there. So, both through listening and unfortunately, you know, hobbling around and doing all the things that I do. I mean, the reality you is... hobble around. <laughs> I hobble around. Just just popping around. Everywhere. <laughs> 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 like, like a leprechaun or something? Listen, here's the thing. Here's what I'll tell you. I, I started... <clears throat> excuse me. I started to listen briefly to uh, one of their more recent podcasts where they actually kind of show their hand. Uh, this is on the Bible Project podcast on this issue. And it made me start to study it independently of the Bible Project, though also in hand with them. So I, I'm getting some from them and some from opening certain texts and, and looking at the original language. And I haven't drawn a hard and fast conclusion. I would love to, uh, uh, for next week, um, you know, at least bring some more uh, lucid thoughts on this. But the reality is they certainly don't adhere to what would be a more traditional... Uh, understanding of the wrath of God. Interesting question. 
This is going so wrong. Now. <laughs> I did not. I did not ask her to turn on. That was uh, fine. S i r i for those of you who don't know Siri. Don't say it. <laughs> um, so Alexa, play Despacito. <laughs> uh, so the reality is, they they do frame uh, judgment differently. Now they don't deny it. Uh, the people at the Bible Project. They don't deny the fact that God is just in punishing sin or uh, but they, but they also uh, uh, show that there was a lot of different things happening when Jesus went to the cross it was a socio-political statement it was also a spiritual action uh, yeah like Ryan's looking at me like it, it, okay whoa, hold on. So, so what you're saying is that sweaty man's conclusions about the Bible project are correct and you're okay with it no, 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 no. Don't, don't put those words in my mouth. Um, I would say that he is right that they are not emphasizing uh, the wrath of God as we understand it in mainline denominational thinking. And you're going to follow up next week in your sub. And I'm going to follow up next week with why because that... this was totally i because you came unprepared i gave you your sub point so right. it's not fair i'll no, give you a chance i'm for really a glad though that this is your your sub point because like i believe that of course god is just in judging us for our sin um but i think that we've come to oversimplify um god's judgment and um our sin and how they Relate. It's interesting. We'll, we'll okay. save it for the rebuttal. That, that, okay. That's a fair response. Yes. Um, I, I'll take it. Thank you. I appreciate well, but that. But you may not take the whole rebuttal next right. week. What? 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 <laughs> Sub point two, but the electric boogaloo. I, I'm willing to take that we, we could give it, They could be, we could put more complex thought into our understanding right. of, of it. So that was technically your sub point for tonight, Johnny. Now it's time for my sub point for tonight. Ooh. The latest in the Christian movie industry is a film called Small Group, the movie. <laughs> it's not. No, it's a real thing. No, it's not. I will show you the trailer when we are done here. It's called Small Group, the movie. What's the, the movie? Here's okay, the premise of Small Group. No, give me the release date. The release date? I think it's already out on Blu-ray. Okay. Never mind. I was going to say the end of the world. <laughs> Christ returns. So, small group. The movie. The premise is these guys are hired to make this documentary about church culture, and um, it, and by the way, the whole marketing. It's not a documentary, though. No, it's, it's not. It's a movie about documentary. It's a movie makers. about documentary filmmakers. But just to preface this, the whole. The whole marketing campaign is about how this is not your cheesy Christian movie. This is, re it even says, this is real, raw, and sometimes borderline edgy. Okay, that sounds it's, very that's cheesy. That's like to the tagline, right? And like, there's, so there's this shot in the trailer, like where he's going to all these different church events, right? First of all, let me explain the premise and then I'll talk more about the marketing. So the, the premise is that these documentary filmmakers basically are going to like, go into this church setting and, and like kind of figure out what's going on and that at first he's not about it but as he in, joins a small group at the church he starts to realize 
that these Christians aren't so bad after all. Ryan's no, no, no. brain is hurting. Now, here's the thing. It's an extended he advertisement has, for he, life groups. <laughs> he, he has a hidden camera in his glasses. So he's filming the whole thing. This is an invasion of privacy. Yeah, without them knowing. For real. No, so it shows towards the end of the trailer, like, one of the small group leaders finds out that he's filming it. And so he comes in a small group one one day, and, like, the guy's like, you're not welcome here. You need to get out of here. And it's, like, really dramatic. And, like, because he figures out and he feels betrayed. And so, man, the trailer is crazy, right? But here's one of the things about the trailer. I cannot that, wait to see this trailer. Here's one of the things about the trailer that I find so hilarious is there's this one shot that I guess they thought was really funny, but it's not. And it's where there's this lady. They're, they're in a worship service, right? And there's this lady raising her, her hands, worshiping, and she's standing right next to him. And she's like, her arm is like touching her his head like that. And he's like trying to move out of the way. So... <laughs> Throughout the trailer, they keep cutting back to this shot. Like, it'll show a couple <laughs> no. of dramatic things, and then it comes back to the shot of her uh. doing this. And it's supposed to be comedic, right? But it it keeps cutting back to the shot, like, two or three times in the trailer after it shows other stuff. And it even shows it again after the title card at the end of the trailer, like the last clip. So it's like, a, I think a total of four times by the end. Guys, I go to the Facebook page after seeing this ad, that shot of the lady raising her hands and like accidentally like pressing her arm into his face is on the cover of the movie. No. So is this supposed to be a comedy? No, it's supposed to be dramatic. So somebody was just hyper focused on that. Yeah, joke. they're using this one kind of joke in what's supposed to be a very dramatic, serious movie uh, to market the whole thing. And, and 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 some homeschool mom wrote, and sometimes borderline inappropriate. We're cool, not like your typical Christian movie. Small group, the movie in 4D. <laughs> so anyway, the can fact you, that this can you movie, do that on the podcast. <laughs> what? I don't know. Whatever you just did, it's kind of scary. I just, I just did it on the podcast. Uh, honestly, honestly, some holy water the, here. the only word I have to say to that whole thing is cringe. Oh, yeah, man. that's Seth very Grinch. sad. I mean, I mean, if it's borderline edgy, maybe you know, but I throw in a few <laughs> choice words in the movie, <laughs> like crap or oh, dang, Connor, Ryan, or heckin'. Oh my goodness! <laughs> okay, this movie sounds heckin' awesome. Oh, there, cowboy. Oh, sorry. All right, all right. Final subpoint, Ryan, bless us. Okay, so by the time this episode releases on Thursday, Kanye West will be president we, of the United we, States of America. Right, we will know who the president of the United States will be uh, after this this election season. Right. So, but at the time of this uh, recording, uh, it is the night before election day. It's election day, Eve. Eve. And as we prepare... It's like Christmas, doesn't uh, it? It's exciting. <laughs> yes. Um, and as people prepare for the election, they think about who they're going to vote for. There were two articles that were released in the past, I believe, two weeks, one or two weeks, uh, by two prominent evangelical leaders. Oh, Number no. one, John Piper, who many people know. He's a popular pastor among the youth among the the hip today uh because he he uh he's done a lot of ministry uh for the youth they they like his stuff and he's a reformed baptist so a lot of people like him he released an article 
uh, titled, hold on, I have it on my phone, titled, Policies, Persons, and Paths to Ruin, Oof. Pondering the Implications of the 2020 Election. So in this article, John Piper explains essentially why he is not voting for Donald Trump. Now, by the way, in this article, never does John Piper actually reveal who he is voting for. Uh, he keeps that a secret. Uh, I suspect he's voting for some third-party candidate. He, he, he never says he's voting for Biden, uh, but he, he makes it pretty clear that he will not be voting for Trump. And the specific reason why, uh, really to sum it up, is that uh, to John Piper, there's, there's a large moral failing in Donald Trump that should disqualify him from the presidency. And uh, I'll, just, I'll just read a few sentences that really sum up uh, his, his viewpoint in the article. I think Roe, speaking about Roe v. Wade, is an evil decision. I think Planned Parenthood is a code name for baby killing and ethnic cleansing. And I think it is baffling and presumptuous to assume that pro-abortion policies kill more people than a culture saturated pro-self pride. When a leader models self-absorbed, self-exalted boastfulness, he models the most deadly behavior in the world. He points his nation to destruction, destruction of more kinds than we can imagine. It is naive to think that a man can be effectively pro-life and manifest consistently the character traits that lead to death, temporal and eternal. John Piper's point mm -hmm. is that even if somebody in policy is perhaps pro-life, uh, their, their morality has to follow as well. And somebody who has a large moral failing, like he would point to Donald Trump, leading our country uh, will eventually lead our country to that kind of attitude. So John Piper got a lot of flack uh, for this article. Um, he he might as I mean, he might as well have been canceled by many people and uh, the evangelical church. There is another dude who wrote an article. His name is Albert Moeller, and some of you might be familiar with Albert Moeller. Uh, he is another Reformed Baptist, a popular among the young people. He is a um, a consistent speaker at Ligonier conferences. He's also the president of the Southern Baptist. He's a president of, of a seminary. Yeah, one of the seminaries. he's one of the big Southern Baptist and, and seminaries. He also does a Monday through Friday podcast, uh, the, the briefing, briefing which yes. is kind of news and kind of a Christian perspective on it. So Albert Mueller wrote an, an article on the same topic, the election, and his thoughts. And Albert Mueller comes out of the article the exact opposite conclusion as John Piper's, where John Piper makes it clear that you'll not vote for Donald Trump, uh, Donald Trump because of moral failings on Donald Trump's part. Albert Mueller recognizes that while there are significant moral failings on Donald Trump's part, that should not be a reason to not vote for him. In fact, in his final paragraph, Albert Mueller says this, I truly believe that this presidential election, with the control of the Senate also clearly at stake, is likely to be transformational. The stakes just keep getting higher. The difference between a Trump administration and a Biden administration will shape a generation and have a great 
very great deal to do with the future of our nation. My convictions lead me to a very clear conclusion in this election. I hope and vote for the election of Donald Trump and the Republican ticket for a second term and for a continued Republican majority in the U.S. Senate. I do so precisely because of my convictions. I am accountable to make those convictions and reasons clear. May God bless the United States of America and may this nation bless the nations of the world. So Albert Mueller has a completely opposite conclusion uh, than John Piper. We're not going to tell you how to vote here. Uh, we're not going to tell you to, to vote for a specific candidate. But I highly recommend that you read both of these articles, um, even after the election, because when this releases, it will be after the election. We will actually find out who the president is going to be. Uh, but still, I think these articles, um, I wish, I wish we, we talked about them earlier, like maybe last week. Um, but both these articles bring up really good points uh, that perhaps you should consider for the next election. Yeah, so, you know, here's the thing. I think one of the, the main things we want to highlight is that Albert Moeller and John Piper, neither of them perfect men or people that I agree with everything they've said, but they're both well-spoken, well-studied, respectable Christian leaders. And they both have different perspectives, and that's okay. And I think... Really, I mean, this has been such a divisive issue, and I think the church really needs to lead the way in showing our country right now that it's okay to vote different and still be civil and still be friends and still respect one another. Like, that's okay. That's possible. Um, you can't let these things be, be hills to die on or reasons to burn bridges. So who, whoever won the election... Uh, at the end of the day, and it sounds cliche because people are still saying are, are saying this a lot, but it's so true that whoever wins the election, like Jesus is on the throne, and you know, this no nation or kingdom that's established here is going to last forever. So, uh, at the end of the day, we got to keep our eyes on the main thing. Yeah, calm down. Calm down. <laughs> yeah, for, no, that for, sums it up. For, for real. And, and I, I would just add real quickly. I mean, we are saying, in some, I mean, even the president himself is saying, this is the most important election in history. And it's it's so arrogant to assume that. Okay? They say that every election. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm, right, which, by the way, both sides are saying that. Joe Biden no, no, said that too. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's arrogant on both sides, on any side, and including for myself to, uh, to assume that. If I, if if I'm going to be devastated on Wednesday morning, or or late Tuesday night, by whoever wins, then I may have an idol somewhere. Mm -hmm. that, that that's my point. Like this is not a devastating thing. Like God, God is still on the throne. Um, abortion rates are still falling. <laughs> like it's going to be okay. <laughs> and and we need to continue as the church to perpetuate uh things like uh, the pro-life movement and to perpetuate things like uh civility and community and faith and the hope that comes in Christ. And as long as we maintain our duty in the kingdom of God, um, you know, I, I really think that that everything's going to be okay in this country. Yeah, regardless of who wins. Absolutely. So here's the thing. We're going to move right into one of our questions this week. This comes from Emma. Emma, thank you for the question. And I want to make sure that I read this exactly word for word correct. Um, 
how do you feel about homosexuality and the Bible? So she wants to know our views on homosexuality, what scripture has to say about it. And uh, there's a lot of hot-button issues, you know, when it comes to the election and politics and church and all of these different things. And, and this ends up being one of them. Um, so, because it, it has become, for a lot of people, very much a political issue. But at the end of the day, I mean... So just to make it clear, and this isn't new. We've talked about this on the podcast before. We have uh, an older episode where we cover this. I think it was episode 10, actually. Uh, one of our more listened to episodes. But we do believe that homosexuality is a sin. Uh, but as we're going to kind of talk about today, we don't believe that it's any more or any less of a sin than when uh, a straight couple is having sex outside of marriage or when... Uh, somebody lies or when somebody is arrogant like these are all sins and it seems that a lot of Christians have put homosexuality on a homosexuality on a pedestal as if it is the worst sin or as if it is you know the grossest sin or it's this sort of special kind of sin and, and in reality what, what a lot of these Christians are doing is pointing away from their own sin um, because the fact is, you have some of, you know, straight men who are married and, and have children who struggle with porn addiction who are sitting here because a, a homosexual couple's sin is more public, more in the open. They're pointing their finger over there like, oh, look at them. They'll never go to heaven. Mm -hmm. uh, there's no way God could love them. And, and they're living in a, in a life of unrepentant sin as well. And so... Um, I, I, I rebuke that. I repent of that. If that's something I've ever done, like that's not okay, um, and it's it's not right for us to put any sin as some, on some sort of pedestal and, and to distract from our own. Um, now that being said, I, I do think we need to talk about you know because people are like, well, why Is, isn't love love and this and that? And so, at First Corinthians six nine through ten says. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindles will inherit the kingdom of God. So this list all sorts of sins um, that uh, prohibit you from inheriting the, ki the kingdom of God. And I actually find it interesting that Paul notes separately homosexuality and sexual immorality uh, is I mean they're both sins right but like he he puts sexual immorality in, in a separate camp he doesn't just bunch those together he specifically calls that out um, so I, I'm what are your guys thoughts on this what, what do you have to add well first of all I would just real quick just in case there's any you know well-read listeners who may uh, still be on a journey with this, or maybe they do stand on a, maybe the more liberal side of, well, I don't think that's what Paul was talking about. This particular text is often um, picked apart because of the pedophilia that was going on in Corinth. And if you'll notice, Paul does cite, he doesn't cite women, which is interesting. <laughs> 
you know, and so they'll they'll argue, and then they'll pick, they'll parse some Greek in there, and they'll and they'll put the context and say, well, he was referring to the the older men who were having sex with young boys, and, and he's talking about pedophilia, obviously. The the problem with that, and I just want to put that out as a devil's advocate in order to to kind of mm-hmm. pare that down so that we can get to the the meat of the issue. Um, Paul clarifies this later on uh, in the book of, of Romans. Um, the reality is, is, is uh, he, he, he talks about a pretty much uh, a nearly exhaustive list of sins that separate us from God and basically, you know, they separate us from God and incite his judgment against us. Um, and amongst that are... Uh, uh, God gave them over to their their passions, and and and, and he, he he lists both men and women. Mm-hmm. This is Romans chapter one. Right. Okay. So he, he he makes it clear that it's it's just homosexuality. It's same sex uh, sexual relationships. Um, there there wasn't commonly, at least certainly not on record historically, pedophilia uh, of not that there wasn't at all, but of, of women towards young girls going on in the culture as much as there, there was for men. And so when he now brings both genders into the spectrum, and plus, if you do look at the syntax, it's not really, there's, it's hard to make a case that he's talking about children. Um, it, it's very clear that, that he's saying sex, you know, women having sex with women and, and men having sex with men, it's not cool. Like, he, like it's, it's explicitly stated in Rowan. So even if you could tell me even if you could make a case for First uh, Corinthians being about pedophilia, which is which obviously God's against pedophilia, uh, he said that you know if you cause an evil with these little ones to stumble, be better for you have a, a millstone tied around your neck and be thrown into the sea. So he has some pretty strong language to say against people who uh, cause children to stumble. But uh, he is talking about same-sex relationships, yeah, right. especially in Romans. And if if that's the only place he is, then it's still a stance. A couple of resources I would recommend because there's some people out there who have these incredible testimonies and have dug deep into the theology of what the Bible has to say on this topic who uh, who were gay or, or maybe still have those attractions. Is, is There are Christians who have same-sex attraction and after studying the Bible and committing their life to Christ have chosen to live a life of chastity, to live a life of singleness, to not act on those attractions. So perhaps this is an important distinction to make. I'm sure, Johnny, you're going this direction too. Is same-sex attraction a sin? It can't be. And here's the thing. Uh, the reality is, uh, th- this gets me worked up quite a bit, right? Mm-hmm. Because the reality is there are a, a bunch of, um, maybe, maybe and this is not the right label, and, and I don't want to get, I don't want to, Split hairs. We're going to get canceled. Okay, That's fine. we're going to get canceled for this. I would say there's a lot of hyper conservative people who would say, you know, um, that guy's still wrong. You know, I've heard people say, well, they're, it's still like, oh, this is my brand of sin, or you know, and it's like, which, which I, I hate that. I, I because like I look at people. Dr. Christopher Yuan is an example of what you're talking about. He's a Moody scholar um, who still struggles with same-sex attraction, but he'll tell you, I don't identify as gay just because I have same-sex attraction. I am, uh, you know, a, a child uh, of God. But here's the thing. If struggling with same-sex attraction and saying no to same-sex attraction, even if it's every day of your life, if that's wrong, then, like, we're all in trouble because for Connor and I are married men. You know, not maybe not every day, but there are many days where we, I mean, 
this, we're saturated in, in a sex-laden culture, right? There's billboards, yeah. there's things, there's, and we're saying, uh, you know what? I may struggle with heterosexual attraction. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. I may, I may, I, I, we can if we don't choose not to lust in a way that is inappropriate. Yeah. Can we not? <laughs> so, <laughs> so we are also making a distinction between attraction and lust. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so, for for us, it's not that we're like, you know, we we choose to only be attracted to our wife. You, you know what I mean? Like, like, like that. I mean, that's just a reality. We we decide. You know, this is who we're going to be faithful to for the rest of our life. It's not that we don't think oh oh that person's attractive or that person's attractive but we've chosen our wives right right so so what makes it different when a christopher yuan comes along and says i i can't choose a wife because i i don't i'm not attracted to him so i choose christ yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean and even in choosing our wives we're choosing christ mm-hmm. because we're saying we believe in a christian sexual ethic which says uh you know chastity and singleness and faithfulness in marriage to yeah. someone of the opposite sex which is what christopher yuan a former Homosexual, practicing homosexual says it's holy sexuality, chastity, and yeah. singleness and faithfulness in marriage to somebody of the opposite sex. In his book, Holy Sexuality is a phenomenal resource. I highly recommend it. And then uh, Jackie Hill Perry, uh, who wrote the book uh, Gay Girl, Good God, also an incredible resource. Go read these stories and, and, and hear what they have to say because these are smart people who really dug into the Bible and have just this incredible perspective on it but i think one of the reasons this sounds so prudish to people and just is so hard for people nowadays to wrap their mind around is because like you said we live in a sex saturated culture and relationships and sexuality is such a priority that if you're not in a relationship and if you don't have the freedom to love who you want like you have no identity so for us to tell somebody who's who's same sex attracted, like maybe maybe you're a converted Christian, you are not going to act on that, but you're only attracted to people of the same sex. So you've decided, well, I'm going to live a life of chastity. I'm just going to stay single. You know, now you look at Jackie Hill Perry's story. She was in lesbian relationships before she ended up eventually converting and marrying her husband. It was different. She didn't decide to stay single. She's married and has kids and everything. And then some people. I uh, ended up staying single, um, but but what we're doing in, in today's culture is is we're robbing that person of their identity because, well, now you can't be in a relationship as if that's everything. Right. And our sexuality should not be our identity, mm-hmm. um, and whether or not we are in a relationship should not be our identity. We've put these things on a pedestal mm-hmm. um, and become obsessed with them. Yeah. And I think that's part of the reason it's really hard for people to wrap their mind around any form of self-control or boundaries. Right. And, and I think that it's crazy that it's become this way. I, and I'm, I'm, I would love to go back through history and try to trace it, right? Because there was this sexual revolution when people were like, well, you know, um, it doesn't really matter if we're married or not. It doesn't matter if we have multiple partners. And this was kind of the beginning of that and, and while there were some in that movement who were like oh you know you're treading on me and, and my choice there were very few people in the hippie movement that were outside of the church who were saying well this is who i am you know it they they believe well this is a choice that i'm making and i have the right to make it and what's interesting is this history evolved like 
there came not not a level of acceptance like we think it's okay, but like there are couples that attend our churches that are heterosexual that that need to get married. <laughs> you know what I mean from yeah. our perspective, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, we invite them into our homes. We have conversations with them. As we build these relationships, if we were to to discuss our sexual Christian ethic, I doubt it would turn into a gigantic culture war. And I doubt that those people don't already know that the Christian sexual ethic, there are some, but, but many know that Christians generally say you should be married before having sex, right? But there's not this hatred and animosity and stuff like that because both parties know we don't share the same sexual ethic. Why can't this be the same for homosexuality? And, and here's what I found. For a lot of people in the LGBTQ community, they're actually open to that. Yeah. You know, not all of them, but there's several that I've met that they're okay with the fact that I believe differently. Right. And, you, and you actually, know? this just reminds me of a resource that I'll also recommend. Uh, Rosaria Butterfield's yeah. uh, this, The Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert. And she, she was in a lesbian relationship... Uh, she was a college professor at a liberal college, and she was she was in a lesbian relationship, and uh, she converted to Christianity because of the hospitality of a pastor who reached out to her after she wrote an editorial in a newspaper, and she makes the observation in her book that the 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 LGBT community was so much more welcoming and hospitable towards her than Christians are. And that should be embarrassing to us. Right. That, that that's how the world views us, is that we are not welcoming and open to people who are different from us, even if we disagree with them. And, and I think what happens is, is because we live in an era of us or them, and this idea of it's culture war, is we think if we if we even that phrase, like if we don't being open to them and stuff like that, people hear, well, you're compromising your beliefs. But but that's not what you're saying, right? I mean, you're, you're saying you still hold to the fact that, I mean, all three of us at this table believe that, um, you know, heterosexual relationship outside of marriage is sinful, that a gay relationship, sexual relationship is sinful. Like we both agree with that, and yet we want to welcome people. Right. Yeah. So, so And look, it's a buzzword, but I'm going to say it. The the reason is is because most Christians are are homophobic. I mean, it comes down to right. that. Is it's yeah. like the reason that they can't have a gay couple sit in their home, but they'll have a, a a heterosexual couple who is sleeping together but not married sit in their home, is because they're comfortable with that sin. That's not weird to them. Right. But they're uncomfortable with. Oh, it's like. And we gotta get past that. That's so wrong. Because here's the thing: is hatred is is also a sin, <laughs> right? And uh, you know, who who who's gonna want to be a part of that community? Who's gonna right. want to believe in that gospel if that's what you're putting forth to them? Mm-hmm. So that has to change. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that really. I mean, and and I I pray and I hope that we see. A change in the church when it comes to that. And I'm not saying all Christians and all churches behave in that way, but I just think people are so scared that, 
Um, no, I, I can't compromise. I got well, You can believe what you believe and still love those people and, and treat them as you would anybody else because they're they're just that they're people mm-hmm. you know and and we've we've just we've demonized a lot of people in that community and it's it's it has to stop it's it's really wrong yep yep boom yeah I eat. so go check out some of those resources because i i strongly recommend that we were gonna try and get to another question tonight but honestly we're hitting the 45 minute mark this took up a lot of time and that's good it's an important topic uh just some closing any closing remarks no i mean i would just i would check out those resources especially holy sexuality um and i would just we got to figure out this new balance of welcoming people despite the fact that we disagree with them but but don't you don't have to compromise your beliefs either um, but but look at these resources because like Christopher Yuan, he's a PhD. These aren't just dumb people saying, "Oh, this is the way it is." It's a man and a woman. It, you know, it, like it's that old adage that's been like become viral. It wasn't. It was Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, right? That's yeah. not the kind of theology that these people have put together. Rosaria Butterfield's a great example of somebody who's very much into academia. She she and, literally was professor in gender studies, right? Yeah. And and she had she had actually and she had studied a lot about like why the bible doesn't work and why mm. the bible is against women, women yeah. yeah and she, then she she had that completely subverted when she yeah. looked at the bible as a whole story and so th- these are well thought out things so if you're kind of right. wavering in the middle or you're leaning more towards the liberal side of thinking not politically but but just in, in terms of this like homosexual thing look at these things because it's it, it, it's it's not about hate or about being a prude it's about uh, just logic and, and, and taking God at his word and then um, and then loving people right in that and, and just to add for, for, for Christians for, for our perspective y'all the goal cannot be making gay people straight the goal has yeah. to be making lost people saved right okay that has to be the main priority and um, and, and honestly, you know, I think beyond it being just like a homophobic thing, I think for a lot of people, they're afraid if they start letting people in their lives, and this is not just on the homosexuality issue, this is on a whole myriad of issues. This can even be just from denomination to denomination differences. If we start letting people into our lives who don't agree with us, what if they sway us? What if they, ch- like, when you really dig deep, that's a fear. Yeah. A lot of people's like I fear if, that you'll be wrong about something. If Ryan starts hanging out with a Pentecostal, what if he figures out that there's something to, you know, some of the workings of the the Holy Spirit and <laughs> in times of worship or that'll like, never happen. <laughs> or no, but like you know, I say that jokingly cuz I mean uh but th- there there's just this whole myriad of things of like and what it is is one we're not well prepared. We don't know why we believe what we believe. Right. Um uh, and, and two, we, we just we keep ourselves in these bubbles where we're not going outside and, and, and hearing other perspectives like so so take the time to figure out why you believe what you believe and then start spending time with people who believe differently. okay and, and, and genuinely hear their perspectives. But I think a lot of people are just afraid to sit down with people who who think and live differently. 
because they, they're just not prepared for it. Yeah. yeah and they won't be able to change your mind if you know what you believe. And, and that's the thing that you're really pointing out is a glaring reality. And it's not to condemn anybody. I don't want to sound hoity-toity. I mean, even, even now, you know, there's things that I'm like, you know what, I, need, I want to go back and study this subject that we talked about at the beginning no. of God's wrath and atonement. So I'm not saying, but, but do you believe, there, there are many things, and, and homosexuality is one of them, hot-button things that we believe simply because we learned them in Sunday school. Yeah, I'm going to be honest, you know, I, I have changed my mind on a lot of things in the past two or three years. Yeah. Um, because I opened myself up to... Uh, people who believe differently than me and it was actually a good experience like uh, just the big thing is just me me going to college that was a big thing um, particularly in my major history major a lot of stuff that I was confronted with that I originally didn't believe yet because I was open to it my mind changed on those things and I'm happy for it I'm I think I'm I've grown as a person because of that and the other things I still believe in I'm stronger in those yeah. things as well. It's I just as a human being, it's an enlightening experience to open yourself up to of to other people. Yeah. To hear the other perspective. You know, and 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 like the only caution doing that and and, and I say caution like do that. You need to do that to grow. But let the Bible and the Holy Spirit guide you in that mm -hmm. process. Yeah, yes. if you stand on the authority of God's Word and the Holy Spirit, what Ryan's describing is because I know that some <laughs> hyper conservative people would hear that and go, yeah, Oh, he's oh, a crazy, he got, crazy that humanities now. class got him. You <laughs> know? liberal but college, it's so, USF. <laughs> it's so important because as you go through that process, if you really are uh, having like the Bible and the Holy Spirit as these criteria as you work through these things, what happens is, just like Ryan said, those really important things that you're going to hold on to, you're going to be so much stronger in, and it's going to shave off these things that just don't matter or that may be incorrect, <laughs> you know? And, and still other beliefs that did get stronger, I, I think one other helpful word would be that those beliefs were clarified as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. because I think that's what's – especially with this issue, I think is what needs to happen for Christians. It's not that we abandon a traditional sexual Christian ethic, but that it becomes – clarified for us no because right now i think and, it's just muddy and black and white right and that's my soapbox when it comes to what christians believe about sexuality as a whole is yeah. you have to know your why we don't know our why not not just with this but just in general the christian sexual ethic we don't know our why i mean we grow up you know telling kids in youth group you know don't have sex before you get married, but we don't tell them why, <laughs> you know? And it's sad because the traditional sexual ethic is, is actually pretty compelling. We should have a whole episode on it. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, and, and I'm very passionate about, you know, you got to have a why because otherwise, and, and, and I've seen it a million times, you don't stick with it. Right. You know? No, it, it's true. The, yeah, man. Yeah. It's too bad we're out of time. We, we might need to keep going on this. Yeah. So anyway, after hours episode. <laughs> bon, bon, bon. After so hours. we are going to have some exciting news very soon. We're nearing our hundredth episode, um, and it's it's an exciting time. We're nearing the holidays. There might be a few short breaks coming up soon. But here's the thing: we love you guys. Thank you for being a part of this. Thank you, Emma, for your questions. If you want to send us a question, you can send it to us on 
uh, Facebook, Instagram, Theology Thursday Podcast at gmail.com. Anywhere you can find us, send them our way. We want to hear your questions. We want to answer them on the podcast. We're students just like you. Thank you for joining us in this journey. Ryan, go ahead. Yeah, yeet. <laughs>